What's going on, good people? Welcome to the new episode of the Poor Vera podcast. If you've been a fan of the show, heard the show, watched the show, you've often heard me say the greatest sign of making it is when you can go by one name, right? That means it's the ultimate sign of respect. You have like Drake, you have LeBron, you have, you know, Hove, you have B. The flip side of that coin is my next guest, who in my years of knowing him, I've never heard anyone reference him without using both names. <laughs> John Elliott, what's good, my brother? <laughs> Man, that's such a funny way to start out. That's honestly, you drilled it, bro. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, first of all. It's an honor to be here. And uh, it's so funny because like, when we first started the company, we were like kind of cycling through names and um, like I was driving through Hancock Park and it just was like, it just hit me. And it was like so obvious that we have to name the name, my full name. And it was just because my entire life, no one's ever called me. It would be like, who you with? It'd be like, yo, we're with Mike, we're with Dom and John Elliott. And I, and I was like, why is it my full name? <laughs> 100%. I'm telling you, it could be LeBron, Farah, Mav, Rich. Our friend, it could be anyone. They're like, oh, John Elliott. We're going to John Elliott's show. Or John Elliott. I was talking to John Elliott yesterday. I'm like, yo, he's never just John. He's never just like Jay Elliott. It's John Elliott. It's the ultimate sign of respect, man. So, yo, before we get into it, before we get into it, I have the I have a bone to pick with you. Let's go. Whoever sends your emails, the John Elliott emails out, whether it's every day or week, deserves a raise. I hope they're watching this show. <laughs> I get emails from all these brands every day and I'm like, it's COVID, it's a pandemic. Who's going out? Who's getting dressed? And as I'm saying that, while I'm thinking this, I've already opened your email and I'm like, cheetah print hoop shorts? I need these. Let me get them real quick before my size is gone. Like, you guys have done a phenomenal job, man. Whoever, whoever handles that on your team is incredible, man. I don't know if you've ever gotten oh, that feedback man. before. No, you know, I, I, I can tell you that I really appreciate that. And um, the cool thing is, is that the team is tight. You know, like we, we oh. uh, the four dudes who started the brand together, like um, we basically all grew up together and we're all like, you know, it's, we're all still in it. And um, yeah. we're a tight knit unit. And um, yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, that means uh, that's great feedback. And, and my guy, Mike, will definitely enjoy hearing that. <laughs> So, so John, let's let's go back. Let's go early age. Let's go. Uh, we were just talking about before we started the show. My fifteen-year-old son Jordan. Let's go back to fifteen-year-old John Elliott. What were you into? What were you doing at fifteen? Man, I was uh, at fifteen. I was hooping. I was like trying to take hoops as seriously as I possibly could. I, I was at that time. I was playing on the AAU team, Oakland Rebels, um, wow. and I was skateboarding. And yeah, I was you know a freshman in high school. Or, or yeah, freshman or sophomore. Yeah. And um, just trying to trying to make varsity. You know, that was like my whole thing was uh, my the high school I went to had won state championship a couple times, and um, it was like I went we we went to that high school because of the hoop culture, and uh, yeah, man, I was just like really kind of enthralled by skateboarding, Bay Area music. You know, like the Bay Area rap scene back then was very much like a insular scene that was mm -hmm. independent and uh, it could support itself. So like there were artists that could literally like sell their records to uh, I think like shops in like the local area. Like mom so, and pop shops. Exactly. Yeah. So you could go to certain shops and like you could find like, you know, the new Mac mall or like the new Mac Dre that was like a mixtape that featured like a bunch of new cats from Richmond or from, Hunter's Point or from, you know, like Sacramento or of course from Vallejo. So uh, it was just an informative time where like, you know, I think the fact that I was skating and like, I kind of like was grew up in skate culture, but was also hooping at like a, a decent level, you know, like in the sense that I was probably the 15th man on a really good team, but <laughs> I was like there to, be like a, a good kid and like provide like uh you know just like cultural reference in terms of like just I brought something different to the team and plus I could stick a, a wide open three um you there's know, a lot of teams today that could use you there's a lot of teams yeah today that could I, use. if I was like you know five inches taller then yeah I could actually <laughs> get some real run but uh yeah you know like 
a five ten point guard uh, playing with you know serious cats who were like going on their way to UCLA and stuff. I I never sniffed the court, but it was it was just cool to like have that exposure, you know, to be able to kind of like travel around the West Coast and then travel around the country a little bit, go to nationals, and um, just like have like open my aperture. Um, wider than just even my hometown, but still like also like have the ability to like understand what was happening in San Francisco and skate culture, because like that was like the Mecca of skate culture. So yeah, man, I just, I look back on those times, like with through rose colored glasses, it was like a duality. It was like hooping and skating. That was my life. Um, Yeah. That's dope. Perfect transition. I was going to ask you, you know, I'm older than you, but those seem like two different worlds, at least when I was in high school 200 years ago of like, you know, you had skaters and ball players, and they weren't, you know, in the same circles or whatnot. Did that influence your style at all eventually? Like just, you know, skate culture, you know, basketball, athletics, how big a role did that play? 100%. I mean, um, you know, like, it's pretty well documented that like the first, uh, the first time I sent designs to Nike was when I was eight. And I think that was like, very much just inspired by the fact that like I saw skaters who would break off from like bigger companies and go and uh, start their own companies. And I was kind of like, yo, like, why, why can't I do this? Um, Why can't, you know, so I think like the fact that like uh, at that time you had, you know, huge cultural icons that were like just so huge, you know, I'm talking about like Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, Kurt Cobain, those were hugely influential, but then you also had like your local stars, you know? So for me, it was like the best, the best basketball player, like in like the Bay area, you know, or like the best skater in the Bay area. And that was like, you know, you knew like what they were up to. And then for me, like, yeah, I was constantly like mixing the two, you know, like super, super baggy jeans with like, you know, like oversized, like everything. And then like my hoop stuff, you know, like, like literal like practice shorts as boxers and (laughs) you know uh with the strings hanging out and like my hoop shoes and just you know the mixing of those two things really kind of informed I think my taste level and my confidence you know as like a guy who kind of developed a style that was unique really early on um almost before it became like I guess like a little bit more appropriate for guys to have like a real genuine sense of style. Like, you know, talking like early, like late nineties, early two thousands, like, you know, there, there was all types of like terms for guys who cared about the way they look back of then. Course, you know? Of course. But of now course. it's like second nature, like as a man, like it's actually like a, a really cool way to express yourself. Um, I think for me, it was just like, you know, skaters dressed one way, Cooper's dressed another way you look back to those times like obviously like am one had like a huge influence like blending like what it would look like to be like you know a skate kid with am one like that was basically me yeah not for sure so style always played a big role for you can you remember when was the first time you had a thought that you know fashion was going to be the path you wanted to follow do you know when that happened early 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 um I don't know before before I could even probably like arti- like articulate it to the point where like I knew that that was gonna be my plan. Like I I I mean because like I was drawing and kind of like trying trying to start companies like literally like when I was a child. Wow. I think my parents understood that this was kind of gonna be my calling. So I think my dad just really tried to set me up in a way that was like. Um, gonna be like advantageous for what my my end goals were so like there was a shop on hate street that when i was in high school I, I would constantly like go to almost like take a pilgrimage to to like to shop at but i couldn't afford barely afford anything and um it was just like okay like get, yo you need to get a job there and i got turned down i think probably like five or six times until like it was just like no like yo, like, I'm gonna work here. You're not gonna tell me no. And, um, of course, like, eventually it. they, like, you know, relented and gave me a part <laughs> gig. And before you knew it, you know, like, I was the assistant manager there and then worked my way up to be the manager. And it was just all based off of, like, how much you wanted it and how much you cared. And, and like, honestly, it was how much you cared, how much you wanted it, but also because, like, they represented 
what you cared about. So once you got your foot in the door, you could kind of like speak the language, you know, and people sure. trusted you and, and you were good at what you did because it was who you were, like, you know, your whole life. So yeah, for me, it was, it was super early on. And I think that's like one of the biggest advantages that a kid can have is really knowing what they want to do with their life, like early on. From Versace, you know, one yeah. of the nicest dudes in the world um, yeah. on the show. And he, he, he told the story of how he was hanging out at uh, Dame Dash's gallery when he had it here in the Lower East Side of New York. And he said one day he went and he bought one of those, you know, the TV dinner fold out. Uh, yeah. yeah he said he bought it he showed up to the gallery he's like i work here now like, yeah they didn't pay me they didn't ask me to do anything but i work here now and they hired me like two or three weeks later or whatever but it's that type of commitment right that you know i love those stories and it's not a, a coincidence that guys that have that drive have kind of you know evolved into really following their dreams and stuff so it's always dope to hear man yeah i think it's like it's something deep inside of you that like you can't really teach it you can't like when you know you tell, like, you can say that, but unless you're, like, literally, like, scheming, like, yo, like, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's like a scheme, you know what I mean? Like, yo, how am I going to get my foot in the door here? Um, that's the only way you're going to do it, you know? And that, for me, it was, like, I, you know, there was also a discount that was attached to working at that store. So you can, <laughs> you can believe that I wanted that discount badly. I needed it. And, um like, I can remember, like, on my first couple of days working there, I was like, man, like, I, I would pay them to work here. Like, you right, know, it's like, right, that's how right. much I wanted it. Right, right. No, I love it. I love it. Let me ask, so, so you know fashion's the world you want to be in. You may not even know how you're going to be in it, but you know you have a passion and love for it. You have a job at this, you know, kind of dream job at the time for you, you know, for a number of reasons. Are you thinking our next steps going to school, getting formally trained? What What's your next path or foray into like into the business? Yeah, so great question. I mean, for me, school is always a, like a, a big challenge. Um, so I, like I got, I guess like quote unquote, like di diagnosed with being like being dyslexic when I was okay. pretty young. So I always struggled in certain elements of school. Um, and I hated like the stigmas that went along with like being dyslexic, being like, you know, um, like different, having to like leave class and go to, go to resource. Yeah, you get so, labeled, you get labeled early exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. Like you get yeah. labeled, you know, for me, it was like, I got labeled when I was in third grade and like you're leaving and it's just a rough time to be like, you know, like, yo, there's something that's different about you. Right. Um, but in a weird way, like it actually became like a superpower for me because mm. yeah, I, I basically couldn't read. I definitely couldn't read out loud, but I could mouthpiece my way into anything. You know, <laughs> I could like, just as long as I, that's how I felt. Like just as long as I didn't have to um, read out loud, like you want me to give up, get up and give a speech on something that I know what I'm talking about. You want me to, to, articulate myself well to a group of adults like I could do that so um you know I think like it, it ended up kind of being like giving me confidence that like I didn't necessarily need school to accomplish what um what I felt like was my my dream and then I also you know growing up in San Francisco in in the early and mid 90s during the period in which like San Francisco was the mecca for skateboarding. I saw like a ton of kids who were like, you know, a, a generation above me um, start their own companies with no formal training and make money, open up their own stores, you know, control their own destiny. And um, to me, that was like, that was the dream. So, you know, you layer in the fact that I struggled with school and I like saw people doing it themselves. It was like, boom to a hard-headed young kid it was like i don't need school so it was more about experience and relationships and trying to um really like navigate myself to the point where like if i had an idea that i felt like was um an idea that i was really willing to kind of like quote unquote put my name on make sure that there was enough people who would answer my call you know like if i gave mm -hmm. them a phone call so that's that's why i started at the store that's why i worked my way up to be the manager and buyer eventually and then um, I took a job working uh, wholesale for a Dutch denim company. And I, I did that for a year just so that I could basically uh, get a, like a, a Rolodex of people 
where within the fashion industry, I could like literally call them. They had a rapport with me. They knew what type of person I was. They knew my principles. They knew like who I was and they would, they would answer my phone call. Which I think is so important. I think people, young people sometimes don't understand the value of that. That's just, if not more important than the actual product you're creating, right? People being able to count on you. Like all those things. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like how important that is? Yeah. So, I mean, so obviously like, you know, being from San Francisco, so I started on Hate Street and then, like I said, I, I moved down to LA. I lived in New York for a year then I moved down to LA and I took a job doing wholesale. And like, it was really my, the behind the curtain idea there was like, if, if I work in wholesale and I develop these relationships with potential accounts for when I start my own brand, um, they, they would know me, they would trust me, I would have a personal relationship with me because having had my own store, there were so many people who were coming through who like, I didn't know from Steve on the street. And it didn't really matter if they had an idea that was like close to being good or not good. They weren't gonna get really considered because we didn't know if investing in this brand would actually come to fruition. So you don't right. wanna, like give dollars to some something that's unproven when you can kind of give it to something that's already working if you right. don't have a track record with that person. So I saw that like when I was working in the store that, okay, like it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a club. Like if you, if you know, if you have a rep, if you know this person, you're far more likely to give them a chance. So Absolutely. I needed to figure out a way in which I could expand the amount of relationships that I had so that when I finally dove in and started my own thing, when I called people, they would answer the phone call and be like, yeah, okay, let's see what you got. Love it. Um, you know, I always, you know, half kid about like, we live in the Instagram generation where everyone only sees like when the bottles of champagne are being popped, no one sees like the hard work. You know, everyone now can see like what a successful brand you have and all the great things you've achieved. You know, can you, can you give me a, uh, can you take me down memory lane a little bit? What was like year one of the John Elliott brand? Like, what was that like? Oof, man, I mean, you know, it, start, it started before, like I even, I would say it, it was extremely difficult, you know? Um, and the sacrifice that you have to like go through in order to do something like this is, um, it's real. You know, I'm, I'm a bit removed from it now because I'm 10 years, close, well, I'm nine and a half years in, I'm about, about to hit 10 years. Wow. Wow. Um, which I'm super proud of, you know, it takes grit. Um, but like, I was talking to a homie who used to work for me, who's starting his own thing. And he's now a couple months in, he's starting to hit the wall a little bit of like resources and mm -hmm. just like everything that you can run into when you kind of go out on your own. And I was, I was talking him through it. And I was also thinking back to like the sacrifices that I had to make. And it was dream it was beyond uh beyond difficult you know so i basically um i moved to la and in order to start the brand um my business partner aaron levy i hit him up and was like hey can i can i stay with you for uh at that time i was thinking it would be like two weeks while i looked for a party <laughs> and uh he was like yeah of course you know we used to like party in the city and um he, he's my guy, like, you know, we grew up together. He was my tutor when I was, when I was a child, like one of my closest friends. So um, we started talking and I kind of like told him like really what I wanted to do. My theory on menswear, how I want to dress, how I want to build a uniform, um, you know, how I'd go about it, it being American made and unbranded. He was like, yo, let's do this. Wow. And I was like, okay. And like, just even that conversation that early on um, was incredibly inspiring. But at the same time, it also meant that I was going to be sleeping on his floor for about a year and a half. Wow. So that's what I did, man. At first, I started off on his couch. He kicked me off the couch after a while. And I ended up on the floor <laughs> on like a fold out. <laughs> and I was just banking every single check. You know, I was, I was 27 years old. And um, I was... It was just like grit, you know, like Meek Mill was dropping mixtapes and I was listening to that just hungry and, you know, just telling myself like it's for, it's for a bigger cause. And, um, and it was all, I was trying to save as much money as I could to start my own thing. And then, you know, those times were actually pretty easy because I still had a paycheck coming in. 
It was mm-hmm. once I quit and um, actually jumped in and started my own thing. That's when things got really difficult because you have no income coming in and you're trying to funnel everything into uh, to the brand. And yeah, man, that's, that's when you get tested. And I think that's also when you see like your friends and family, you know, how much they believe in you, you know? And I think I had like a couple of people around me like, yo, you had a good job, bro. You were like doing great. You were on a path. Yeah. What know? are you thinking? What exactly, are you thinking? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you, you're getting, you're getting wedding invites and you can't go to like, you can't go to certain things and you're really having to like take steps backwards yeah. when a lot of people are progressing and you're just having to remind yourself that it's, you, you believe in your vision and um, you, you just have to stay committed. But those years, probably from like 27 to 29, those were the most difficult years financially that I've ever gone through. Um, but it was for a vision that I believed in. And, and I look back on it now, again, like through rose colored glasses, you know, you, you survive, you adapt, um, you find artful ways to like, to make it and you hustle you make relationships with people that bond you forever and um, it also teaches you how to grind so that like, cause of course running a business, you have hiccups and you got to grind. And when you have that kind of like toughness groove, like I think like that's a Tim Grover phrase, like when you have that toughness groove, like, yeah. um, like you kind of, um, you can lean back on it and, uh, and reference it and, and the problem doesn't seem like it's totally unsurmountable. I love it, man. You know, it's funny, like, um, as I was getting ready to come over to, to do this show, I was in my closet and I was looking and I was going to, like, see how much, like, John Elliott actual, like, you know, apparel or clothing I had. And something surprised me. I have, you know, obviously I have a ton of designer friends or a handful of designer friends, you know, I'm really good friends with Ronnie and, like I said, yeah. Salehi and, and, and Teddy over at man. Everyone's doing their thing and I'm so proud of everyone's thing. And I realized I have more John Elliott clothing than I do any other brand. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why it's surprising. It's surprising because I never noticed it. And it's going to tell you why, because it's going to lead to my next question of your style is so minimalist. Yeah. Right. Like your, your name's not all over the place. It's not yeah. a crazy logo. And yeah. I never even realized how much of your stuff I even have. Talk to me a little bit about like where that style came from. I think, you know, we've grown up in like the graphic T era of everyone's yeah. like bigger the logo, the better yeah. and patterned and all that. And you went completely left and were like, your name's like on the inside tag. It's not really anywhere else in most cases. What That's not by accident. That's by design. Talk to me a little bit about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. I mean, I think it came from honestly, like kind of going from San Francisco to New York and then to LA. And I think like, you know, um, being like, 19 being 20 being 21 like in those years you know you just consume i was just consuming so much and then in my like mid-20s you know like working in stores and like having the ability to like almost like be a buyer and like cherry pick stuff from brands Mm. you know like place personal orders for myself like still kind of like just a higher level of the same drug, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so, and then like, kind of like making the move, like transitioning from San Francisco to New York and then New York to LA, like having to like, you know, really edit my belongings down, down to the point where like, I have not even a closet. Like I have like half of a closet in my homies place who's letting me crash. Like, what do I need? Like, what do I need and how can I like still compete? You know, how can I still outdress dudes? How can I um, be super intentional with the way that I dress and what I invest in and what's important to me in, in terms of principles that like give me an advantage over anybody in any situation and like really have that laser focus. Um, it was just gradual, you know, it was like, it went from like this kind of like maximalist, like bye, 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 bye. And then just like editing it, editing it down. And then being curious along the way, you know, like learning about product, learning about how product like breaks in, you know, obviously like 2008 had something to do with that, you know, like going through that financial crisis and having to like kind of see how, 
people's behaviors changed a little bit being like a, basically at that time, like almost like a store owner. Um, like you, we got, I got scared, you know, and like seeing how got to me, like smart guys were investing in products that were going to be like hold their value for years. Yeah. And that kind of informed like my whole ethos on how I wanted to present myself and really want what I wanted to do with the brand. You know, I, I have to say like, I, I'm so uh, like just blown away and honored that like you said that about like what we make is like owns the, the majority of your closet. But honestly, that's what, that's what I want to do. And, and it's, it's not because I'm, it's like a greed thing. It's more because like, you're not, I hope you won't look at yourself and JE in 10 years and a photo and be like, oh man, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> like, you'll probably be like, oh shit, like, where is that piece? Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm gonna, That's a great I, point. I'm gonna pull that piece out. It's who I am. It's the way that I, I, you know, have dressed for over 20 years now. It's, it's definitely like a long-term play. And it's, it's like, I think it's a confidence thing as well. You know, it was like, if you can create a brand that is completely unbranded yet recognizable, then you have something that's kind of, you know, a little bit of a, I think a special idea. And that was kind of what we set out to do. Yeah, no, you, you've honestly, like I said, I'm not saying this because you, you've mastered that funny story. So this is probably shit, maybe four years ago at this point, three, four years ago. Um, Mav and I are going on like this crazy trip, like a business trip. We're going to, Atlanta for some meetings, Houston for an event, then we're going to Miami for an event, then we're going to Vegas for a fight. And like that order, right? Like we're doing all that. I believe it. <laughs> I, I check into the hotel. I have two Ramoas, a duffel bag and a backpack because we're going to like four cities and doing all this. And not yeah. just four cities, it's like we have business meetings with clients, we're gonna hang, we have an event, and then the weather's different because you're going to Miami, and right. you're going to fight, so all these things. Mav walks in, he's got one roller Ramoa, you know, bag, and I'm like, yo, like, like, how'd you pack for like this whole trip with one bag? I shit you not, John, you can ask him. He goes, I have all JE in my bag. He goes, I have, <laughs> he goes, I have three shirts. I think he said I have four shirts, four different color shirts, two, a, a, a pair of denim, two slacks, yeah. he goes, and a, a sport coat. Yeah. He goes, and I could just flip out the shirts, Yeah. wear slacks, I could dress it up with slacks, Yeah. I could dress them down with a pair of denim, yeah. I could wear the sport coat to business meetings, and I can do that for the whole trip. Yeah. And to me, you know, and now hearing you say, it was like the ultimate compliment where it was like, he had found a brand that he could, he could, that could be his partner, you know, in his lifestyle, that could mean, us meeting with Fortune 100 company CEOs and CMOs. It's us hanging out at night. It's us going to a fight. It's us working at an event. It's all those things. And it's like, and your brand was perfect for all of it. Oh, man. It was like the ultimate compliment. Like, and it yeah, was like, no, I mean, honestly, like, kind of like, like hugely honored. I mean, obviously, because of the amount of respect that I have for, for Mav. But um, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's honestly, that's the ethos of the brand right there. Like that's, that's the best story that I've heard about like what we set out to do. You know, it was like, it was literally like, you could head out of your place in the morning and traverse an entire day and, and look good in every scenario and, and be like fresh, be fly in every scenario. And, um, you know, at the same time, like kind of do it over the next day. Like it's, um, you know, it's definitely like, it's a uniform, it's modular, it's well thought out. Like we, you know, I, I take like a approach where like, when I first started, I apprenticed with this dude, uh, Simon Miller, who in my opinion was like the top guy in LA at that time doing denim. And so like, I take like a, a denim approach to like most of what I do, meaning that like, I'm thinking about how materials will like wear over time. And I'm thinking about how certain dyes will fade over time. I'm thinking about how certain fits, you know, will like wear over time. And the goal is to provide a uniform that you hopefully could pass down to your kids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like, 
I want to build something that's timeless. I want to build something that is for every day and very much of the moment and is modern, but is also like, like I said, like hopefully you look back at photos. You know, I, I would hope that Mav could look back at photos, whether you guys are in Miami or you have to fight and be like, man, you know, that was a great night. You know what I mean? Uh, and not be like, dang, like, you know, why, why did I buy that Balenciaga hoodie? You know? Like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking with yeah, those spiked yeah. red bottoms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was I doing in those triple S's, you know? <laughs> but Matt, yo, Matt would never do that. So Matt, Matt has very, very good, like, Matt has amazing taste. No, he's, he's amazing. Speaking of amazing taste, I, I, I want, I've never asked you this. I know on the LeBron side and the business side, but I'd love to hear your version of it. How did the... John Elliott, LeBron James collaboration come together? Man, uh, that's a great, great question. I mean, um, you know, when we were first starting out, we were obviously super small. So, uh, like, I don't know. If, I mean, lots of people know this, but I don't know if you even know this. Like, we started out with with basically thirty thousand dollars. So I put in I put in fifteen thousand, and Aaron put in fifteen thousand. And um, so, like, halfway through the first season of like putting the the collection together my car crapped out on me and like the only car that was like available to me was my late grandmother's uh 1989 honda accord so i'm pushing around a uh <laughs> like a kind of like emerald green 89 honda accord in like vernon and downtown like la every day and i get a call from this dude who you know we're in like season two and I'm just like, I'm in the factories, you know? And this guy calls me like, yo, uh, I'm, I'm LeBron James stylist. Like I, I discovered your stuff. Like, um, I think he texted me. He was like, can, can we get on, on the phone? I was kind of like, yo, like, <laughs> give me a break. You know, like, like, yeah, like who, who am I? You know, like, like Bob, like, fuck you, this is not real. You know, I thought it was like one of my boys, you know, like playing a trick on me. So, but of course I called him and, um, yeah, you know, basically it was uh, it was someone who was connected to LeBron. I told him I was about to be out in New York. I'd love to show him the line. And um, he came and saw the line because we were going to be showing to him. I think we went a little bit like bigger in terms of like trying to have a more impressive presentation. And uh, we rented out an art gallery in, in Soho and, and he came through. And uh, basically we sat and we chopped it up and he, he was kind of like, look, you know, uh, for the first time ever, All-Star is going to be coinciding with New York Fashion Week. Like, yo, every, your stuff, and it was true. At that time, we could not keep anything in stock. Every single time we dropped something, it was just gone. Like it, within minutes. Um, he was like, you know, could, would you guys consider maybe doing a fashion show and maybe maybe at that time, like, you know, we could consider getting LeBron's on the runway. And that was really the beginning of it. And um, I flew out to, uh, to Cleveland and met up with Mav. And once I met Mav, it was kind of like we were speaking the same language, had like very much like the same mindset, a lot of the same cultural references. And um, yeah, it just kind of became family. And then once I met LeBron, man, I'll never forget that. It was in LA he was doing a screening and um, there was an after party at the Soho house. And, you know, I, I kind of like pride, pride myself on being able to speak well and, and not get tripped up. But I'll be honest, when I met LeBron, like, I just, I felt like I entered one sentence with like a point that I was trying to make and like halfway through the sentence, I think I was just staring at his shoulder. Now I was just like, so like amazed that I was talking to LeBron James <laughs> and I totally forgot what I was saying. And I like just, you know, luckily LeBron was like, this dude's probably a good dude now, like his clothes. And he gave me another shot. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it happened pretty quickly. And, um, you know, from there on out, it was kind of like, you know, the whole group was kind of like, okay, we, we like this dude. We believe in his product. And uh, they just started to support it. Everyone started to wear it. And it was kind of like, I was like, I don't know, a little bit in the crew. And then obviously the Nike sure. thing is kind of like the next step, you know, in like being able to, to, to work on the icon. For sure. I don't even think you realize this. It's like, I remember Mav calling me and being like, yo, you know, 
you fuck with J.E.? And I was like, yeah, the brand's dope, blah, blah, blah. He's like, we're going to do a shoe with him. And I'm like, oh, dope. Like, which shoe is he going to design? And he's like, no, 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 he's going to do his own shoe. I'm like, well, LeBron already has a line. What do you mean? And he's like, yeah. no, 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 he's going to create a new shoe. Like, how'd that come about? Because that's like, like, that doesn't happen. You know what and I'm that saying? That's not, a, that's not a small thing. No, no, no. In, in, in the... In my life, that is, uh, that's, that's like, you know, that's top, um, being able to do my own shoe with Nike with LeBron is probably the, uh, the greatest single, like, uh, project that I've ever had the opportunity to even approach. So, you know, it was originally, I think we were tasked with doing a soldier and, um, as we were like kind of going through like what, what was going to happen with the soldier, we just got to the point where it became so new. And I think that was really like the, that was what LeBron wanted. You know, he wanted something new. I think he wanted to have something that was like left and was fresh. And, you know, a crazy story about LeBron was we were in Portland and um, we we're in a meeting and you know how you, you've been there, you know what these meetings are like. There's a lot of people in the room and uh, the meeting finishes. <clears throat> and so uh, LeBron is probably like maybe 10 feet, 11 feet away from me. And uh, it's just pure chaos, you know, like everybody's broken <laughs> off. And, yes. and Rich starts talking to me and he starts telling me like his ideas of what the project should be like. And um, LeBron is literally, he's dealing with like uh, an executive at Nike. And then there's two people handing him basketballs and he's just signing a basket. He signed a basketball. He puts it down. He signs another basketball, puts it down, signs another basketball, puts it down. He's just going. And he's also talking to an executive, <laughs> like having a conversation. Okay. Yes. And so I'm talking to rich and I'm like, but rich, that's what you want me to do. LeBron was like, I'm not even kidding. He's like 12 to 15 feet away. And he's like, he yells at me. He's like, that's exactly what we want you to do. <laughs> and I told that story to Mav. And Mav was like, yo, yeah, obviously. He's like, that's why he's such an amazing passer. Yeah, he <laughs> nothing. Like, it was like, I, I was just a mind-blowing experience that he could like, you know, understand yeah, the amount that was going on. But basically it was clear that he wanted something new. And so in order for us to kind of like get to some somewhere new, we had to like kind of, you know, go from scratch. So, um, yeah, it was just, um, you know, my goal with that was like kind of similar to like the line. I wanted it to be modular, meaning that like you could wear it with like, you know, you could almost like tie the sock into the shoe and have it like work in several different ways. And then also uh, not really be categorized. You know, I wanted it to like not necessarily feel like a hoop shoe, but not necessarily feel like a running shoe, not feel like a cross trainer. I wanted it to kind of be like in this zone that you couldn't like put a finger on it and say like, oh, it's this, you know? And I remember when we presented it to the room, the room was super divided, you know? Like some people- Which is a, which is a great sign. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign. Some yes. people yes. absolutely loved it. And other people were like, just, just hated it. And, um, you know, I think that, that that was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to put people to a decision. And like, you know, you, if you understood what, what the concept was, it was like, oh man, this is, this is new. And once Le when LeBron saw it, I'll never forget, man. Like there was all this kind of chatter in the room and he stood up and he like put his leg over the chair and he held it up and he was like, I walk into whatever it was like, I walk into 30 arenas every year. I want this in this color, this color, this color. And mm. I looked at Aaron. I was just like, man, I must, <laughs> I must be in heaven. Like, this is crazy. You know, I just highlighted my life for sure. I will say that shoe brought me so much joy in terms of it. The shoe just being a dope shoe and really a reflection of just like our lifestyle and what we live and, and what we were talking about earlier. I can wear that to a board meeting. I can wear that to the club. I can wear that to Wally's to drink some exactly. wine. I can wear that courtside at Staples. Exactly. It plays well in all of those. But I will be honest with you, J.E., that shoe also caused me great stress <laughs> in that every female friend I have, you know where I'm going with this, called me as if like, 
I created the shoe. I'm like, the shoe right. says John Elliott and LeBron James. It doesn't say PR or Polar Bear on it. Yeah. The, the no women's sizes. I know. Shout out to, shout out to Farah. Yeah. Shout out to Chelsea. I got emails, texts, phone calls. You know John. Can you call him? Why aren't there women's sizes? La, 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 la. Please help me figure this thing out. Man, I'll be honest, like that, that was definitely one of like the things and, and, you know, yeah, that was a miss for sure. And that was something that, um, and if you remember, I texted you, I was like, yo, you're killing me with the no women's sizes. Like, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, especially when, um, especially when the fuchsia color drops, like it was like, yes. you know, like, it, yes. you know, it definitely didn't totally like line up. So, you know, it was, look, I, uh, I absolutely like, can't say enough about working with Nike and like the people that I've had the opportunity to work with with Nike and, and um, just like honestly being able to tap into their innovation and see how they work. Um, you know, like, look, we'll be better next time, right? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. John, before I let you get out of here, you know, a large portion of like our listeners are, you know, young entrepreneurs trying to get on trying to kind of get over the hump, you know, like you said, like, you know, or living on the couch or trying to figure it out. Um, any advice you could give them, you know, it's, it's a funny time, right? It's like with Instagram and, and all the um, resources at, at young people's disposal, they've never felt closer, but at times when you feel so close, you also can feel really far from like yeah, the dream. Yeah, yeah. Any advice you could give like young designers, young people trying to get like their brand to pop off? Like, to, yeah, to man. I think, you know, for, for me, I think like, um, like the mass and the, where, where trend is at, where, um, <clears throat> where like you see, what you see on Instagram, that's not, in my opinion, that's not the path. You know, that's not something to be enamored by. That's not something to uh, chase. I think it's, it's absolutely fine to be aware of it. But I think like what will lead you to a much uh, healthier place where you will have more opportunities is to really craft like your own sense of individuality. And I think like in this time, especially through COVID, like I think a lot of people have had, I hope the opportunity to like examine themselves you know we've all had a lot of time like alone yep. and with yep. our own thoughts and like i would love to see if people can examine their purchasing like history and and look at their closets and and really think about what their principles are and examine examine those with depth and dive into that like chase your curiosities that are your curiosities the fashion mm -hmm. world needs like ideas that are new, that are individual and that are like really kind of, you know, honestly strange. And each one of us is unique because like, that's who we are. And I think embracing that uniqueness is a far more advantageous, a far more successful route than trying to do what other people are doing. You know, I, I can tell you that like after doing it, um, I, it, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it, it takes, um, grit. It takes uh, a huge belief in yourself. It takes a, a really strong support system, but like, if you are incredibly passionate about it and you're willing to do anything in order to make it happen, then my advice would be like, block out the no, the noise, get off your phone, like really sit down with a pen and a paper and just challenge yourself to think about how to solve your own problems. What the fuck keeps you up at night? What bothers you? Like, what do you not have? And sit down and go and go and go on that pen and, and paper until you start to like feel like, okay, like this is something that I would want to share with my friends. Like, I think this is an idea that is, you know, potentially interesting, you know, and, and there's a fear associated with that. You know, I remember when I was first starting John Elliott, um, I used to ride a fixed gear bike around San Francisco. And um, I always wanted a crew neck sweatshirt with no, but I wanted a crew neck sweatshirt with a pouch so I could put my phone, my keys, but I didn't want a kangaroo pouch on a crew neck because I felt like that was <laughs> super young, you know, like you look right. like a child. Right. So I sat there and um, I was actually watching YouTube videos of Joe Montana. 
because uh, I'm from the Bay Area, and I was watching all just like to be inspired. And um, I saw a video of him getting sacked in like the maybe 1988 like NFC Championship game at Candlestick Park, and the dude just gets destroyed. And he picks himself up off the turf, and his jersey's untucked. And he has his hand warmer and his jersey's out over his oh, hand warmer. He's got yeah. an asymmetrical jersey on. And and he puts yeah. his, his hands underneath his jersey and it was like the light bulb went off for me. Wow. And it was like, okay, that's a big idea. And I sat there and I started to sketch the crew neck that I'd always wanted when like I've been skating and riding a fixed gear around San Francisco. And but just put the crew the kangaroo pocket on the inside with two you know side zippers that went up nine inches and it was like this new idea, the, vil the villain, right? Which has wow. been around for 10 years and is our best selling uh, product ever. And so I went and I got it developed and I remember the people who I got it developed with, they were kind of like, this is, this is strange. <laughs> this is dumb. This yeah, exactly. what the fuck is this? And who's gonna want, this is gonna cost so much money. This is, this is crazy. Hey kid, hey kid, I'll take your money, but this is dumb. This exactly, is yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And so um, I remember having the guts to finally wear it myself, you know, so I was going to meet a homie at, the, at a bar and I wore it and my boy was a little bit late. I was sitting at the bar and we're just like kind of catching up and he like kind of turns. He's like, yo, who is this? I'm like, uh, yo, th this is me. And he's like, oh, dog. He's like, dog. He's like, yo. He's like, bro, that's like a million dollar idea right there. And I was like, yo, check this out. And I unzipped it and I showed him the pocket on the inside. And he's like, oh. And, you know, it was like that moment, that moment I like knew. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a big idea. And it was purely coming from a place of like, okay, I've always wanted this. I, it doesn't exist. How do I create it? And I think, you know, the same, I took the same approach with denim. I took the same approach with like the weight of my French Terry. Like I think any young creative, any young designer, you should just pick apart the way you dress and you should be like, what fucking bothers me? Like what, what can, what would I do better? And, and how do I take those principles, line them up into an aesthetic that um, can kind of like give me a point of differentiation in the marketplace and then, um, you know, hopefully you have, like, like we were talking about earlier, you have the ability to get it out there in a way that, that people will, will look at your ideas. Cause that's the biggest shame, you know, is like, if you right. do have great ideas and you're not able to get them out there. So that takes, that's a whole other um, of course. problem that you need to try to approach. You know, it's not easy, but like, it's, you know, I'm living proof. It's, it's possible. You know, I, I straight up, I remember when, when Atrium bought us for the first time and our stuff was selling out, I would guarantee you everybody who was buying that stuff, they're like, I don't know who the fuck John Elliott is, but I'll buy this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. John, last question before we get out of here. You know, what are you excited about for your brand coming forward? Obviously, we're living in an un unprecedented times and, you know, what should people be on the lookout for? What are you excited for that's coming up next for the John Elliott brand? Man, you know, honestly, what I'm most excited about right now is just like us finding our voice, you know, I think it within like who we are. Um, like, I think obviously 2020, I, I had a feeling that this year was going to be a challenging year, but um, I didn't expect that it would empower me and give me like, maybe like a little bit more of like a sense of confidence and like using my voice and using my platform to try to try to do good, you know. Um, on December fourth of twenty nineteen, you know, my wife gave birth to my to a to a little girl, to my first daughter, and that definitely, like, I think, put a lot of things into perspective for me. And as a result, I think, like, you know, going through what's happened this year with COVID, with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, like, you know, um, the whole social, social justice movement. And then honestly, now with the fires in, in California, um, I'm excited about us finding a voice and like basically peeling off a portion of the brand where we're, we're just like, okay, 10% of the brand now is going to causes. Like we're going to build that into our business. And there that's, there's a, a new philanthropy arm of what we're doing that honestly, gives my work so much more purpose. 
and I'll get on phone calls with people and um, it just, it makes me feel like what, I, what I'm doing is really purposeful, you know, like uh, tomorrow we we'll drop uh, some t-shirts that directly, 100% of the proceeds will go to the strike teams fighting the fires uh, oh, all dope. around the West Coast. And uh, my, my, my hope is that other businesses will do the same thing. You know, yeah. my, my homie that I grew up with is, um, he's a captain in, of a fire department in the North Bay, and he is leading a strike team right now. And he's been deployed for 19 straight days fighting a fire, you know, wow. and uh, hasn't seen his family take 24 hour shifts. They, they fight the fire for 24 hours and they're off for 24 hours. And he, I was like, what do you guys need? He's like, you know, honestly, man, what we need is food. And so we're trying to like partner with local restaurants in the areas where they're fighting fires and give the restaurants, you know, upfront money and just give these guys like good food to give them fuel to keep going. And, um, you know, these, this type of stuff is what really makes the work so much more, uh, exciting to me is like when we're able to identify causes, what, you know, whether it's what we also have done with UCLA for COVID-19, we raised, you know, close to $175,000 for UCLA health donated a ventilator, um, you know, provided meals to the nursing staff. And then what we did for the Black Lives Matter movement within Los Angeles, um, you know, the, uh, the fair fight movement, which is basically like equal voting rights initiative, um, where we raised $75,000 for, for those two initiatives. And then now what we're doing for the fires in California, it just makes the work that much more purposeful. And when you're sitting there and you kind of feel like, man, you know, my peers are doing this, or, you know, I see this person doing that on Instagram. It's like, man, fuck that. Like, yo, let's go. Like, you know, we, we know who we are and we know like what we're doing and, and um, it just, you know, it, it feels good to kind of like say like, these are our principles right now. No, I love it. And John, I want to say, you know, to you and give you your flowers, you know, it's like, You've never changed in the, in the in the short amount of time, the four years, five years I've known you. You know, there's never been a time that we haven't called on you, whether it's for a cause or an event or whatever that you haven't answered the call and been like, I'm there, whatever y'all need, I'm there. Um, it's dope to see that as the brand has gotten bigger and you've gotten bigger, you know, you've doubled down on that and like helping out and always being present. So I appreciate that. I hope next time I see you, it's in person. I mean, that would be... The world isn't on fire. We don't got to wear masks. We can enjoy a glass of 42 or a glass of wine, man. Um, John Elliott, I appreciate you for your time. Appreciate you for giving me um, the opportunity to have you on the show. Um, and, and like I said, next time we'll do this in person over a, a drink of a, a, an adult beverage. <laughs> I'm there and I appreciate you, man. Like you guys have been the best to me. Honestly, you, you don't even know. The, you the whole crew, you guys, uh, honestly, like you guys become family and, uh, yeah, my, my whole, our whole group, we just, uh, we love you guys and feel super fortunate to have a chance to work with you guys. So thank you, bro. Love it, John. Appreciate it, man. Continue success. And like I said, like I told, uh, the last guest we had on the show, Kendrick Perkins from ESPN, I'll see you on the other side of this. That's right. That's right. We got to believe. (laughs) Appreciate you, brother.